Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for stage four of the Volta Catalunya. We also have the women's Brugge de Pana recap at the end of this pod. 169Ks, 13 kilometers, 6% climb to Bau Oitau up to 2,050 meters. It's it's not the hardest climb, but it's hard enough. It's harder than yesterday. That differences can be made on the road. We didn't expect like a huge group sprint. I went down and checked out the start of the stage, had a good chat to Ben O'Connor, the race leader, blasted that all over Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, it was weird. It was unlike any bike race I've been to before because I've only been to the tour before. So relaxed. You could just walk up, like Naira's there leaning against the barriers. No <laughs> one's talking to him at the start. He's just chilling. And that's why riders probably really, really liked it. But as always, our show is presented by Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun. I was actually doing a ride, I think Tour Utopia Stage 1 the other day. I forgot to mention this. I was on there. And Beppu, the retired, I think, EF rider, literally rides past me. I saw the verified tick and it was like, it said Beppu. I was like, that has to be the Beppu. And it was. And then started talking in chat with him, which is pretty, pretty funny. No one, no one said, oh, that's Lantern Rouge. They were just getting G'd up and chat about <laughs> Beppu. But maybe, maybe later, maybe one day uh, when I'm on Bardiani in two years. But if you want to check out Zwift and try it out, you can head to Zwift.com for your free seven-day trial through the link in the description. Catalonia, breakaway, it was weird. You rarely see riders this close on GC in the break like this, Benji. Yes, certainly. It included the likes of Hugh Caffey, Herrera, Pedro Lopez from Trek, Armirai, Donovan Biscara, and also uh, the Miv Demand, the legend, Mark Solen in the breakaway for UAE. And that's interesting because he's not that far in GC. He did lose some time yesterday on that last hill punch towards the finish line to La Molina after the climb that came before. And... I was like somewhat surprised that he was in the breakaway, but on the other hand, I thought it was relatively clever in that end because you've got so many potential leaders in that squad, so close in GC, he's lost some time. They can try stuff to try and make sure that other teams have to spend their riders chasing. And I found the reaction of Ajdezer actually quite clever where they didn't go all out directly, trying to close it down instantly. They kept calm, they kept it rational and thought to themselves, well, most likely, we're not going to be the only team that's angry that Soler is up the road. And next to that, we have quite a bit of riders if we can get over these like first few kilometers and keep the gap a bit and then can expand it to something that is not seven minutes, then on the last climb, it can be toned down a bit. So no jumping from O'Connor into the wheel of Soler on the first uh, attacks either. Like We saw the train of Ajazer at the front of the peloton and they kept the gap relatively small. Two minutes 33 or something was... One of the bigger gaps that was reported throughout the day. But Almeida crashed earlier on in the stage. Uh, at first, it was reported to be a mechanical. But in his uh, post-race interview, he said it was a uh, an actual crash. So uh, 
Perhaps that might have an influence on the stage. Perhaps not. We might see it on the final climbs. And then we saw again, once again, abandonment from riders from several teams. Sivakov dropping out for the team of... Uh, I was going to say Sky, Ineos. <laughs> uh, Plap was looking a bit more lively throughout the stage, but towards the end I didn't really see him. So I'm not sure if he's actually having the same influence as the other riders in this team that are having a bit of trouble when it comes to potential illnesses, we saw Brenner also abandoning for DSM, for example. And in the breakaway, Soler was starting to suffer on the second last climb. And I was like, okay, this is weird. I was expecting him to be the stronger rider here. But towards the end of the climb, he was like second over the top. So I was okay. They were attacking <laughs> you. Not. Yeah. And the, the reason's obvious. Because the last thing you want when you're Bruno Army Rail on 10 minutes is a guy on 33 <laughs> seconds on GC in your break. It's the most annoying thing, and you don't see it in the tour because if that happened in the tour, the guys would stop working because they'd know they'd get shut down and then re-attack again, and that's how breaks take a long time to establish so it gets the right composition so people don't chase, etc. And I knew they were going to try and attack him because even Carthy, I know maybe he was G'd up, but Hugh Carthy, good to see him in better shape, was in the breakaway. He was close on a minute as well. And it probably, yeah, it's just an uncomfortable margin. Mate, I know we were speaking about where to buy the biggest flat screen TVs because I need one to watch cycling before the stage. So in Andorra, um, maybe maybe that prompted him to get in the break. Maybe that's completely <laughs> unrelated. I don't know. Um, anyway. The break was disintegrating. Eventually, Armorail and Donovan went clear because they wanted to get rid of the guys close on GC. And AG2R were like, sweet. Who wants to pace? UAE, over to you. We only care about GC for O'Connor. And as a reminder, because the, so, the GC gaps are so tight, going into the final climb, O'Connor was 10 seconds ahead of so the phenom on UAE, who no one wants to work for and he doesn't want to work for anyone else. Quintana third on 12. Igita on 16 with Johannes and Chicone, Poles, Martin, Almeida, and then Carapaz on 19 with George Bennett as the relevant actors for today. And so we saw UAE, who was, who was pacing initially? No one, AG2R just doing their own tempo. And then the weirdest thing happened, Armorel up the road, Arkea start drilling it, and this is where I think O'Connor made a mistake. He follows Arkea doing a, probably an above threshold lead out. It just reduces the peloton into nothing at the base of this climb. And Nairo was six wheels back. Shouldn't O'Connor have just let his wheel go, Benji, and said, I don't like why it put his own domestiques under pressure? Well, I found it a bit intriguing what O'Connor was doing on the climb. Like you said, he was reacting to things that I was like, perhaps he should not react to this type of attack. But on the other hand, I was like, the best defensive is offense come on go for the attack i was being a bit overhyped about o'connor at that point what did you think about that move personally well uh, yeah i would let the wheel go right steady and then be like naira if you want to go yeah. and because uh, also in case naira was feeling really good you don't want to get an attack from behind what ended up happening was someone lost o'connor's wheel and O'Connor was being led up the mountain by the arcade <laughs> domestique and then naira was in the group being like do I really have to close this? This is so embarrassing. <laughs> and UAE were all there. It all came back together. That was funny. O'Connor must have been like, this is the ultimate. I just flipped the script on Arkea. <laughs> you don't remember teen stage nine, Tour de France, Aguita and Nara, don't try me. 
cock a roar. <laughs> anyway, George Bennett countered. I didn't have a problem with this. He's on 19 seconds. Armorell had been in the break. He's not the same threat that O'Connor was yesterday. We've got 10Ks left in the climb. I think this is fine as a move to put pressure on O'Connor and Ineos. Yeah, I think so as well. And I, at first, was thinking, okay, who do we have left in the group behind? We we know that UAE is there still with Ayuso trying to defend that position in GC. He's in the best position in that elite group in GC. And having that rider up the road, George Bennett, it helps him. It helps him quite a bit because other teams have to put pressure. And that's when I think Ineos was one of the teams that took over properly because Arjazair wasn't really there with too many riders anymore. I think O'Connor was basically isolated at, at, at that point in the race. And the most beautiful attack of the day came. Diego Camargo came on the left side of the road, past the entire lead group, and by the time he hit the front, he was done. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> I love him. I love Diego Camargo. And eventually that attack went nowhere because, well, he got caught by the Ineos twin that was riding next to him at that point. And Ineos kept going for quite a bit. And it, it actually stayed a while in that same phase until we got to the point where the gap was roughly 13 to 10 seconds. Were there attacks then, or did they just close the gap? I think it was, yeah, Castro shut it. He, no, sorry. This Castro did an unbelievable job. Kept it at 13. Rodriguez shut it very fast. Rodriguez for Carapaz. And then Carapaz or Igita attacked. And then they kind of didn't work too well together. Even though Igita would have been going into the GC lead, he didn't pull straight away. We saw O'Connor struggling. He'd been responding to a lot of moves. UAE, I think before Carapaz attacked, I misspoke. They tried to one-two him, first with Almeida, but then Ayuso didn't attack, and so it was Carapaz going. And so Almeida then had to pace O'Connor back to Carapaz and Aguita, and he closed it. Quintana in the wheel. Eventually, I think Quintana tried, but Aguita was in his wheel, and Almeida, clearly the strongest rider on this climb, by far, could have gained I think a fair bit of time today, he catches up to Carapaz and in doing so drops not just O'Connor, but Ayuso. So he's dropped O'Connor, dropped Ayuso. He's on 16 seconds and he's towing, I think, Quintana back. And then he goes past Carapaz and he keeps pacing. (laughs) He's pacing the guys who are second or third on GC, Quintana. no, who had, yeah, just behind Ayuso on GC and O'Connor's gone, Quintana and Nigita, he's just pacing them up the mountain. Uh, yeah. It made no sense to me. It made no oh, sense. You, you can play the teammate card. I think it's understandable. If you're Almeida on the team of UAE, the traumas of Quickstep pop into your head. Remco Almeida drama at the Giro. He doesn't want that again. He doesn't want to go to a Grand Tour where his leadership is being questioned by the fact that there's some young dude so now from Spain, Ayuso, also doing very well. So in his mind, he's like, yeah, I could do well here. I could also drop the tempo a bit and I could let Ayuso potentially come back. But why would I do that? Then my leadership might get questioned at a bigger race. So I think I it know, was the but- combination... Of force them to pull. He didn't even yeah. ask them. You're right. And the thing is, at first, when he was pacing in the group behind, when Ayuso was not necessarily looking weak yet, I thought, okay, he's working for Ayuso until so he kept going. I. So did I. <laughs> oh, but I don't, uh, I don't think they're yeah. speaking to each other. I spoke to some 
I was hanging around the uh, depart this morning and speaking to some writers. And like, I was like, what do you, what do you reckon you are you doing? Was my video too harsh yesterday? Khan Kirby, you know, on comms, the goat said it, LRCP called it a, what is it? Circus car. I think I actually called it a clown performance or a clown show, but maybe he wanted to dial it back a little bit. This is a, <laughs> I don't, I'm not, I don't hold back. Um, and people were like, yeah, we don't know what they're doing either. I think it's just every man for himself. Although the Bennett move, I think, was fine, justifiable. Yep. Shout out George Bennett. Um, but Almeida Benji, going into the last K, Igita and Quintana. He's four seconds behind Quintana, I think, two or so behind uh, Igita on yep. GC. He leads it out and then starts sprinting at 300 meters to go as Ayuso is trying to bring it back. It's the only way he can lose the sprint. Naira gets out of his wheel around a right-hand bend. Naira is shutting the door on him, but doesn't actually shut the door. He cooks the corner a little bit, and Almeida comes back underneath him to beat him by about a wheel. Winning this stage on Boito, uh, same time as Quintana, same time as Aguita. What polls? I told you to watch out for him. Fourth on seven seconds. Enemy of the podcast, Johannesson leading fifth <laughs> ahead of Carapaz, Ayuso, uh, Carapaz, Hinley, oh. Seagod, Guillaume Martin on 13 seconds. But then Benji's the mathematician, coder expert, so I'm going to throw it at him. Explain to me GC Benji because my feeble lawyer mind couldn't really understand whether it was Quintana or Almeida. So we know that Almeida and Quintana both finished in the uh, first group with Almeida taking the first spot, which means that it's 10 bonus seconds for him, 6 bonus seconds for the second spot, which is Quintana. We know that Almeida was 4 seconds behind at the start of the stage. Thus, those 4 seconds by getting 10 bonus seconds compared to the 6 of Quintana are gone, those 4 seconds. So they are equal in GC after the stage. Now the intriguing part is, what are the tiebreakers if two riders are equal in GC? And then we have to dive into the UCI rules and we notice that rule 2.6015 says that the tiebreakers are, first of all, fractions of a second in the individual time trials, including prologues that happened before the stage that we're on. If that is still tied, for example, if we didn't have any time trials, for example, like in this race in Catalonia, where Almeida and Quintana are now equal, then we go to the second tiebreaker, which is basically the sum of all the positions in the stages that happened so far. And then we notice that Almeida left it hanging a bit in the uh, earlier stages. I think he got like 70 in the first stage, which means that combining all the positions during these stages, 114 positions. And then we look into, at Quintana. He did better in those sprint stages when it comes to his positioning, 47. As a consequence, Quintana has a better tiebreaker there and therefore, Quintana is now the leader. Now, worst case scenario, if they accidentally are still on the same positions, then there is even a third tiebreaker that considers the uh, position in the last stage that was written as, that's a clear tiebreaker. You can't end on the same position in the last stage that was written. Um, but all in all, that's basically uh, the case of how a tiebreaker is decided when it comes to GC. And I wanted to ask you, do you think that's a good idea that it's decided based this way? Because Almeida just won a stage. Should that matter more than the positions in a sprint stage? Um, you already get rewarded with the additional bonus seconds for the stage win. You get four whole seconds. I think it's fine. We rarely see this because stage races at World Tour level, a one-week race, rarely doesn't have a TT. So 
the tenths of a second would be the tiebreaker, which we don't have here. Um, and I have little sympathy for Almeida because if he'd played the last 1,500 metres any better, he takes at least a second on the road to Al- uh, to Quintana and Aguita. He was far superior yeah. on this climb. So I have little sympathy. It's great for us, Benji, because they're not going to make up 60 positions in the, sprint, in the finishing positions. So this is all about intermediate sprints to come. This GC at Catalonia will be decided by intermediate sprints, which the Tour de, imagine the Tour de France stage 19, Benji, the transition stage. Um, that would be so good. But tomorrow we have two, but they're so close to the finish. Yeah. It's a 207K uh sprint stage with a little hill near the finish there's one at 176 which is uh, 30 to go and one at 194 which is 22 to go okay should let the break win okay should not pace the break at all yeah certainly because we know we know that almeida is a stronger sprinter yeah, than sure. quintana definitely on the flat and if you we if uae wants to get the bonus seconds at that intermediate sprint they need to make sure the break is called by the time they reach that and i i doubt that there's going to be too many other people that are going to try and take time in those bonus seconds against the likes of an almeida and quintana perhaps a Gita might sprint as well you never know he's also still relatively close in gc and then we look at the further stages i think in stage six it's a bit harder to do that to go for those bonus seconds there's another intermediate sprint that lasts like 25 kilometers, but that's that's already quite a bit. And in all honesty, if the bonus seconds and intermediate sprints don't work in the next two stages, I'd argue that Almeida can still win GC by podiuming the last stage in Barcelona. Because we've got that Montjuic circuit, hills like six times a short hill, uh, the one that De Gent won on last year from the breakaway. Unironically, I think if UAE light up that stage and just make sure it's a bit of a lead out to the final sprint, sprint with Almeida, he podiums that sprint, then he gets the uh, GC. I agree with everything you just said there, Benji. Logic is flawless. It all makes sense. Almeida probably should be the favorite if they do that. And that final stage is perfect for him. It's the Giro dell'Emilia light. I just want to read through some names and I want you to say yes or no that they will control and bring back a break in these tough stages where people have lost a lot of time now for Almeida. Juan Ayuso, nope. Milano, nope. He wants to go for the sprint. Bennett, maybe. Costa, I think he's, he's Sorry. still here. Ayuso needs to work. Sorry, he, he lost time today. Almeida's leader for me at the UAE. Like, there's no mountain stages will? to come. He he should. I don't give a fuck if he wants to or not. If I'm his team leader, he needs to ride. If he doesn't, then he's out of the race. I don't know. That's how it's going to work. Come on. Like, he's young. At that point in your career, if you if you don't dare to work for other people that are clearly having a better Almeida chance of winning. didn't work him today. Almeida fucked him well, over it today. Was better today. I don't... Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't have had Almeida as domestique today. We said yesterday Soler Bennett, but Almeida and and this man here, Ayuso, were still leader in my eyes for today. I, I still had to decide it. So I think that from this point onwards, Ayuso is domestique, and if he doesn't like that, well, that's kind of his problem. I, it'll be interesting because it's easier said than done. Control the break for 170 kilometers, for, and then lead out the intermediate sprint. It's it, it sounds wow. simple in paper. Yeah. 
but there's other teams also that will be interested in getting stage wins. Bike Exchange will want the stage win. Does will help there. And sure, there's going to be some other teams that will be interested in getting some stages here as well. I think Movistar's getting pretty desperate when it comes to Valverde. Didn't look that great today. Perhaps a reduced sprint is what they're going to try and force with him in the coming days. Like, I think there's going to be teams that take care of that. I don't think they're going to have to carry the entire race on their shoulders. Igeet is the sort of one we're not talking about enough. He's on six seconds. He's fast. Yeah. It's it's going to be a good finale. It's slow. It's been a slow start to Catalonia, but we've got same time, third on six seconds. I would kind of play Ayuso in the final stage as the GC card. I'd give him free reign, chaos in Barcelona. <laughs> I can't wait. But yeah, tomorrow's stage, it's a sprint stage. It should be... Uh, it's Groves, right? There's that little hill. I think there's a little climb about 10Ks from the finish. Otherwise, it's just rollers. It's Matthews if it's lit up. It's Groves otherwise. I think it's Groves. Uh, as the favorite for tomorrow. Yeah. I'd argue the same. I think Matthews also didn't look that great when it comes to that team. I was surprised he was still in the race after uh, the stage he had well, when he was like having his issues at the side of the road. Oh, no, so, I think he um, has abandoned. Okay, that, uh, that, that's why I was surprised. Sense, yeah. <laughs> so Groves is certainly the rider that I'd be looking at when it comes to the sprints. Is Bauhaus still interested after uh, getting his ass kicked on the other sprint? Easy, easy. Well, he will try, most likely. Mark Bristenga, Trek signed yeah. as a GOAT cobalt rider. Anyway, I'm going with Groves, making an Australian four out of five. Bauhaus, no. I'll compete yeah, with think, you. I think Bauhaus probably a little bit better. Um, Groves rode this whole stage on a giant propel, so respect to him for that. Um, I was like, why do you want to ride a TCR up these climbs? But that was Catalonia. Exciting stages to come. Women's Brugge de Pana, same finish as the men's yesterday. We had an absolutely stacked sprint field of Capecchi, Barnes, Consoni, Norsgaard, Lonica Unican, the young talent, Bastianelli, Vibers, Olsmo, like, that is that is all you want from a sprinter's race here. And there was a little bit more wind than yesterday, Benji. You're the on-the-ground weather reporter. I was on the ground at Catalonia. You told me there was slightly stronger crosswinds today. Yeah, well, it's kind of waited a long time to show up, but we knew that some teams were interested in getting it to the finish line and the attacks didn't really get too much time during the stage. So we entered the Muren pretty late in the stage, like always in this uh in this race, once again, a race without identity. We had the Muren in a different race last week, Brenner Coxeide. We have the Muren against Wevelgem. Like, why do we have the Muren everywhere? Like, I can't get over that fact. Anyway, let's continue with the report on the race. We had the riders going into the Muren, and we saw that SD Works was the one hammering it in the uh, crosswind section at the front, and we saw the peloton splitting up. The likes of Kopecky as well doing work there, because it became clear during the stage that Kopecky was working at the front of the peloton a few times. So. I was intrigued, are they going to sprint with someone else in their team? I looked at their team, Cicchini, Unikin, and Unikin was the one that I thought perhaps could be the sprinter if Kopecki is doing the uh, work in this stage. And then we noticed that, yeah, there were gaps in the peloton, but nothing, no one of like actual sprint value that could actually win the stage that I saw was behind. So I guess they didn't get what they wanted out of that. So all the teams came true again, but some worked a bit as well for track during those crosswinds. But we eventually were heading for a final sprint, and it was DSM taking it up early until 
basically other teams swamped them and they only had like two riders left charlotte cole and lorena Wibus. charlotte cole as the uh lead out even though we saw last year that she had great sprints herself already so i was hoping she should get chances in some races during the season but she's looking more like a lead out at the moment for uh Wibus. when it comes to the other teams uh yeah, just a lot of preparation for the sprint. Some attacks left and right with the likes of Mickey Dox trying for Lotto Sudal. But we knew a sprint was happening and we know that tracks here with Balsamo and so forth. So they're going to want to take a win. We know that the other teams are going to try and get a take a win here as well. And we entered this like section before the sprint where the road goes like to the left side. And first Guarishi shoulders uh, an FDG rider. Uh, and then just after that... We see that another rider, uh, I think it was Charlotte Cole actually, just ahead of Webus, that rides into uh, Trevisi uh, from UAE and they both crash and basically the first 10 riders in the peloton are like clear for a bit. Webus was able to get around the rider and go back straight to the front, almost missed out on sprinting here because of that crash and eventually we'd end up with a, with a final sprint and I'll throw it to you for the final sprint. Movistar did some sort of reverse lead out. They had Vibas and Balsamo there. They know they need to do something different to make those two work. If if it's a head-to-head high-speed sprint, they're both going to beat Norsgaard, I think, most of the time. And Vibas was in a bad position. You see her closing in the wind to that group. I think Kapeki was closing it for Unikin. But Vibas was just not in great spot. And I think that was the difference in this race. Balsamo was patient, opens up to the right-hand side of Kapeki, jumps before Unikin, and she's waving around a bit. Waving, I'm like, is she going to go to the barriers? Is she going to stay, stay straight? She largely stays straight. I thought Vibas is just waiting for her to pick her line, and then Vibas is going to explode. She doesn't. She couldn't get out of the wheel of Elisa Balsamo, who takes another huge win, like on fire in the World Champs jersey. Ain't no curse for her. Ahead of Vibas, Bastianelli, consistent as ever third. Unikin fourth. Maria Martins, a good result in a Women's World Tour race here. Top five for Lacole Wahoo. Ahead of Norsgaard, Consoni, Barnes, Kopecky, Coponi. So, I don't know. I said the other day, I was like, Vibas, flat sprints, almost unbeatable. Balsamo's the only one that really can beat her. Yep. But I don't think the DSM lead-out was the best we've seen. Yeah, I think it's part of the fact that Cole had that crash in the latter part. If Cole doesn't have that crash, Wibbers might have a lead-out that she is starting from a better position. And next to that, Wibbers might not have had to spend energy to get back to the front after that crash. So we don't know what would have had uh, an impact from that into the final sprint, probably some, but... We can definitely say that Balsamo is the last rider to beat. Um, it was in the last, what is it, two years, two and a half years? I think the only other rider that did it was Yolindora in some race, and then she got disqualified. So Wibbers won eventually anyway. <laughs> um, in all honesty, it's clear that we've got two top sprinters in the world right now, and I'd argue that Wibbers is still the best sprinter in the world, and that Balsamo is uh, coming ever so closer, and I'm liking that we've got a challenge between the two because that's going to be intriguing for the first stage of the Tour de France fam. Tomorrow we have E3 Harrell Becker or whatever it's called, E3 Shell the Price, um, Mini Tour of Flanders on a Friday, which interesting that we have two World Tour one-day races on uh, midweek. It's got Wout Van Aert, Asgren. It's called the E3 Saxbanks Classic. I apologize, Benji. They all meld into one. Sagan Sturven, Pedersen, Van Baal, Kung, Laporte, Morich, who just won MSR. We'll be covering that as well. 
usually a pretty exciting race. Last year's in particular was very good. Thomas has won this. I think Fiatkovsky's won it. Sagan's won it. It's a good race, and it's a big form test before Tour of Flanders. Asgren won it last year when he had that two-week unbelievable purple patch. So we look forward to some good racing tomorrow. UA Tactics with the magnifying glass. Can Yumbo back up Strong Kerner and Omloop? We'll have you the recap for you tomorrow. Thanks to Zwift, as always, for supporting the podcast. Ciao. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.